0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch.
1: Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have kind of good, bad, and I'd say really bad, but also a crazy martini for you today. Jim, let's start with the kind of good. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is the Secretary of Homeland Security he was before the uh, U.S. Senate uh, in the last few days testifying. And it's amazing how much data he wasn't uh, able to have at his fingertips. All the questions from Republicans about, you know, COVID vaccinations and, you know, that that aren't required at the border and all sorts of uh, other other things that are kind of important for our national security. He just just wasn't sure. But it also uh, came up, you know, Kamala Harris is supposed to be the president's point person at the border. Uh, And so Josh Hawley uh, mentioned that Harris was the most qualified person to stem the flow of migrants coming across the border. And so Josh Hawley of Missouri asked Mayorkas, do you report to her? says, Senator, I report to the vice president, the president, and your question uh, misstates the facts. The president did not appoint the vice president to be the border czar. He asked her to lead the effort in addressing the root causes of irregular migration, Those are two very different things. Uh, In the end, though, it turns out Harris is not even really a a player when it comes to critical policies at the border. Um, uh, Another question from Holly, has she been part of your policies, your decision to end Remain in Mexico, to end the public charge rule, to change the ICE guidance? Has she been part of those decisions? And Mayorkas says, quote, I have not consulted with the vice president directly about those policies. And so, Jim, it kind of goes back to the old office space question of, what is it exactly that you do here? But uh, when it comes to Kamala Harris, we really don't know. Greg, this is one of
0: those odd circumstances where we had a, it's a hilarious martini. I'll classify it as that. You could say it's good. You could say it's bad, particularly from the perspective of Kamala Harris, that in some ways, Mayorkas is saying, look, the border is an absolute disaster. We continue to have month after month of encounter, huge numbers of encounters at, at the border with Mexico. It's an absolute uh, travesty. We've completely dropped the ball and it's not Kamala Harris's fault. She's barely involved with this at all. That, that's the good spin, I suppose you could say. The death, the bad spin is that, look, she's only it's supposed to be involved with root causes in Central America. She's got nothing to do with the border. So, you know, which obviously um, indicates, as you said, you know, setting up the office space question of what is it you do here nothing's gone right on the efforts to stem the migrants. Harris did go to Central America. She did say, don't come. And that caused, you know, quite a bit of consternation amongst the pro-amnesty, pro-migration crowd. Uh, But I don't think she got any offsetting benefit because I don't think people who are really upset about illegal immigration believe that Kamala Harris is all that bothered by this. Um, I wrote about this a little bit earlier in the week, just saying like, when the administration says don't come, but at the same time, they're greatly limiting what ICE enforcement is doing. They stop construction of any border walls. Uh, they stop workplace race, uh, raids in search of illegal immigrants and things like that. You know, migrants and people who are thinking come to the United States. They can see all this. They hear about all this either directly through the news or through the rumor mill. So they see two very contradictory messages from the administration one is we are not going to do as much to try to prevent illegal immigrants from coming into the country and prevent them from working as the trump administration did but at the same time we don't want you to come well if you do come you have much more chance of being able to uh work and thrive and and you know go on and live the life uh of an illegal immigrant in the united states if you do come because the biden administration isn't taking all the possible steps to prevent this so Uh, It's something of a no-win situation for Kamala Harris. I do think in light of the brutal article in CNN earlier this week, she must just be feeling like when it rains, it pours. Um, Because if this is Mayorkas trying to help her, you know, with friends like this, who needs enemies?
1: (laughs) No, that's exactly right. And apparently uh, Kamala Harris told George Stephanopoulos she's not underutilized and she's getting stuff done. Uh, so I, I think she's trying to take credit for getting infrastructure passed and, and maybe some other things. I don't know. But I think it's good martini in two ways. First of all, Mayorkas dodges questions like nobody's business up on Capitol Hill. So he actually told the truth, we think, on this. And secondly, do you really want Kamala Harris setting border policy? Not that Mayorkas and, and, and his ilk are going to be a whole lot better because they're they're following the administration guidelines here, but I believe Kamala Harris during the campaign uh was very, very lenient on the border, even more so than than current administration policy, if I'm not mistaken.
0: That is correct, Greg. And I think wh- where this you know lines up, and kind of becomes part of this overarching narrative. Uh, you know, President Biden said, don't worry, the Taliban's not going to take over Afghanistan. Don't worry, we're going to get all the Americans out of Afghanistan. Uh, don't worry, inflation is transitory. And don't worry, this is part of the regular seasonal pattern of migration at the U.S. border. So, you know, the idea of, oh, and don't worry, you know, Kamala Harris is no better qualified person and she's going to be the one in charge of this. That turning out to not be true just kind of, you know, gets added to the tapestry of things this administration say have nothing to do with reality and have are, are you know, entirely what they want you to think. The build back better is going to cost nothing. You know, it just kind of gets gets flies into that. So I, I think in a way it's a demonstration that this is not a... Um, the administration statements are just completely divorced from reality, and I think after a while, you know, American people start tuning it out. So, um, you know, one of the reasons Kamala Harris has this twenty-nine percent approval rating in one poll, a little higher in a few others, but you know, generally is polling very badly, is that she seems kind of irrelevant to what's going on in the country, and that's usually you know, vice presidents aren't usually getting a ton of glamour and attention, but that's that's pretty bad, uh, all things considered
1: well it is but that was the most obvious biden lie because i mean seriously jim what policy issue would you ever say there's no one more qualified to handle this than kamala harris that's just i mean she was a cop
0: metaphorically you know kamala was a, she was a prosecutor theoretically she knows about law enforcement it just she's never been all that interested in enforcing this particular law
1: yeah exactly and they don't seem to be putting her on those types of issues at all so anyway we'll uh we'll see what happens uh for her approval numbers, for the border numbers, the October crossings were over 164,000, which is another record way, way higher than, than two years ago. 2020 numbers are obviously skewed because of the pandemic, but uh, definitely heading in the wrong direction all the way around. But uh, what's not a problem in any way, shape or form is Jim's ex-chair. Jim, a lot of difficult stories you've been tracking Well, really, for a long time now between COVID and Afghanistan. And now you're following, as we talked about yesterday, uh, the fate of this Chinese female tennis player. Uh, So a lot of difficult things happening. You're spending a lot of time at your desk. But fortunately, um, your spine and and the rest of you seems to be holding up pretty well. Thanks to that X-chair.
0: Remember Calgon and how it could take you away? (laughs) Almost every day now, it's X-chair, take me away and thankfully it kind of does. Look, you spend chances are you spend a lot of time at your desk. You spend a lot of time at work, you work hard, and if you're not taking care of your back, your neck, your shoulders, all the things that cause carpal tunnel and and you know all of that posture, you're going to feel it eventually. If you ever had to, you know, not use your regular office chair and you, you end up working at the kitchen table or something like that, you feel it. You know, your eye, you know, your screen's supposed to be at eye level. Maybe you got an elevated desk, maybe you don't but inevitably sooner or later that you're, you're gonna feel it basically from, from the back of your, your skull all the way down to your tush. So you want a chair that's gonna take care of you. And the X chair is you know, an absolute delight. I'm now back in my traditional home office after the kitchen renovation, the X chair made the transition very smoothly. It rolls around, pretty, in fact, you, know, you hear it? it? Rolls around very easy, I can recline. I've got the vibrating session. I got the uh, heating, I've got the cooling. The X chair does everything and it makes working so much easier. So believe me, if you ever had a bad chair, you would just dread getting to work, work as hard enough as is, you shouldn't be thinking about, ah, oh, my sore back when you're trying to get work done. Trust me, it's worth it. Go out, get yourself an X chair, and you will find working at your desk so much easier every day.
1: Jim, when you mentioned your skull, I thought we were going to get a Jeff Spicoli line from uh, Fast Times at uh, ah. Richmond Ridge, High. But yeah, the X-Chair is fantastic. Go to xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X-Chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I dot com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, let's move on to our bad martini now here. And uh, this one's definitely bad because Attorney General Merrick Garland was just testifying a number of days ago about how uh, conservatives totally took his FBI memo about school board disruptions uh, and potential domestic terrorist allegations against parents way out of context. Um he says, you know, that might have been mentioned in that letter from the National School Board Association, but we're not talking about people's uh, rights to to disagree and disagree even very loudly with school board policy. That's First Amendment. We're always going to protect that. Uh, this is only about actual threats against people. Well, now we have a whistleblower who is suggesting a very different story. This is from uh, Yahoo. Citing an internal email provided by an FBI whistleblower, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee revealed Tuesday that the Bureau has created a system to track threats against the school board officials and administrators and accused Attorney General Merrick Garland of misleading lawmakers when he was asked about the subject during his previous testimony before the committee. The FBI's counterterrorism and criminal divisions created a threat tag edu officials to track instances of related threats according to the email quote the purpose of the threat tag is to help scope this threat on a national level and provide an opportunity for comprehensive analysis of the threat picture for effective engagement with law enforcement, unquote. The email was signed by the assistant director of the Counterterrorism Division and former Criminal Division assistant uh, director who uh, retired earlier this month. Uh, Jim Jordan, uh, top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, wrote that the whistleblower email provides specific evidence that federal law enforcement employed counterterrorism tools against concerned parents, FBI denying that in a statement to the Wall Street Journal, uh, saying FBI has never been in the business of investigating parents. So, uh, Jim, do we believe the whistleblower or do we believe the FBI response?
0: Well, you ask for miracles, (laughs) I give you the FBI. Greg, I think one of the, look, you know, I'd like to see additional verification of what this whistleblower is saying. It's certainly plausible in light of that cuckoo for cocoa puffs letter from the National Association of School Boards, in which they did not consult with any of their state branches and apparently didn't consult with lots of other folks before they basically said, "FBI, come on, get on this. This is the biggest threat we're facing." Um, it, kind of as I alluded to earlier in this podcast, there is this whatever the, the Biden administration steps in it. There's always this statement you usually can find from administration officials saying, well, we just aren't communicating it right. Or, ah, oh, you know, we we aren't winning the messaging battle or something like that. I think it reflects an administration that tends to see almost every single problem that comes down the pike as a messaging problem, as, as it's entirely a spin or, or political communication problem. And in fact, in many cases, it is a substance problem. The, the, the problem is not the messaging. The problem is the problem. And I kind of have this. Look, you know, you you can agree with the parents at these school board meetings, or you can disagree with them. I do think that uh, certainly the case we saw in Fairfax County, there was stuff in books available in school libraries that was simply not appropriate, certainly not appropriate for elementary schools or middle school students, and maybe it's okay for high schoolers, depending on the level of maturity, but you know, the world has a lot of books, maybe you don't need that in a high school library um and other issues of you know uh, who gets to use which bathrooms the uh cover-up of sexual assaults these are big you know consequential events that parents have every right in the world to be really really mad about there was that one particular incident the father of the daughter who had been assaulted where he got into a tussle with the cops don't hit cops that's not good although i think everybody can understand why the guy would be beside himself with anger and, and exasperation with the school board on this so But as you and I have been saying from the very beginning of this, why this would require a federal response and an FBI response was never quite clear. There was never any indication that local police, you know, generally, if you have one or two cops at the uh, school board meeting, everything's going to work out fine. The vast majority of parents, no matter how angry they are, they're not aspiring terrorists. They're not Timothy McVeigh's. And the idea of an FBI needing to get involved in this is just wildly disproportionate. And the counterterrorism group, just you know seems utterly beside itself and it comes out of this instinctive response that we find i suppose you can find it on both sides but it's all over progressivism this idea where you know my your words are violence to me and therefore they need to be suppressed they need to be shut down you need to be thrown out of your job for your words. But when you see these defenses of rioting and the idea of, you know, the the idea that my violence is just words, my violence is just actually just expressing these viewpoints. So look, it was this idea of treating people as criminals, as potential terrorists because of what they uh, were saying, because of what they believed. Look, I think the burden of proof is on the FBI here. I really think they can't just say trust us on this. You You can throw in Russiagate, you can throw in Peter Strzok, you can throw in uh all kinds of incidents in which the fbi has not lived up to the high standards it likes to proclaim and uh deeply disturbing that we have a administration and a law enforcement community who are so instinctively ready to treat u.s citizens who have not broken any laws as potential terrorists and we have the entire full weight of the counterterrorism organizations uh thrown at them as a as a you know preventative measure i suppose
1: Seems like every day we hear something about Merrick Garland that makes me more appreciative for uh, Republican strategy in 2016. Uh, I mean, I don't like him as attorney general either, but I'd rather have him there for hopefully four years or less than on the Supreme Court for 20 or 25. So um, anyway, this guy uh, has pretty much shredded his uh, identity, I think, as uh, as a fair and balanced lawman here. All right. Well, speaking of balance, you want a balanced portfolio when it comes to your investments. And with the uh, dollar uh, value not exactly heading in the direction we want it to, silver and gold can be a very uh, lucrative way to Keep your portfolio where you want it to be. And silver, for example, is definitely an attractive investment right now. In fact, the price of silver has increased 340% since 2000. and continues trending higher. And if you want to add that to your portfolio, there's no smarter way to do it than through Universal Coin & Bullion.
0: Universal Coin & Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price of just $30 for a beautiful one-ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin just happens to be the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. Now this limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act in 1985. Call Universal Coin leaders in the precious metals industry at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful US Mint silver coin for only $30. Postage is free, and you will be dealing with the experts.
1: Now, when you get your silver and your gold, like Jim and I have just said, you want to be dealing with the smartest, the most knowledgeable, the most honest people you can, and that's one of the reasons we like Universal Coin and Bullion. Dr. Mike Fulgens is America's gold expert, as recognized by the U.S. government, and he's the 2021 Coin Dealer of the Year. Uh, They also have at UCB rare gold coins, but this special silver deal is only available using the code Martini. So call 800-UCB-GOLD. That's 800-UCB-GOLD. All right, Jim, let's move to our what I think is really bad uh, martini, but it's also crazy slash sad because we knew this long before he became president. But Americans are catching up in larger numbers now because they see this guy on a regular basis. Politico with the story. Voters have increasing doubts about the health and mental fitness of President Biden, the oldest man ever sworn into the White House, according to a new Politico and Morning Consult poll. Only 40 percent of voters agreed with the statement that Biden, quote, is in good health, while 50% disagreed. That 10 percentage point gap, which is outside the poll's margin of error, represents a massive 29-point shift since October 2020, when Morning Consult last surveyed the question and found voters believed Biden was in good health by a 19-point margin. Asked whether Biden is mentally fit, voters are also evenly split, with 46% saying he is and 48% disagreeing, But that negative two point margin stands again in stark contrast to Biden's numbers from last October when voters believed he was mentally fit by a 21 point margin. Uh, Biden turned 79 years old on Saturday. And Jim, I don't think either of us are excited about the fact that Joe Biden is president. We have virtually unanimous disagreement with him on on almost every policy, the uh, Olympic diplomatic boycott this week being a notable exception. But despite the fact we we don't prefer him as president, don't like his policies, we don't want anyone in that office who is mentally unfit. And as the evidence piles up, the American people seem to be reaching a conclusion here, at least certainly trending strongly in one direction.
0: Greg, when you hear people talking about this outside of conservative circles, they tend to soft pedal it. And yeah, Biden's lost a little speed off his fastball. I think uh, John Ellis diagnosed how often you saw these kind of Subtle metaphors of Biden not being as sharp as he used to be. And, and but you know, kind of downplaying it and saying it's not that bad. Look, America had a, a picture of Joe Biden in its head from the years that he was vice president, 20, 2008 to 2016. And then Joe Biden went into the private sector, made a bundle, wrote a book. And uh, then he chose to run for president again. And we saw him more often in 2019. And we, it was not the same guy that it, it seemed like in just the span of a couple of years, he looked like he had aged a decade. And the, you know, he had always been old, but kind of uh, physically and, and you know, full of energy and, and uh, you know, kind of this cantankerous, wacky neighbor of the, of the Obama years. Uh, but he looked different mentally, physically, you could see in the way he spoke. I heard a lot of coverage about Joe Biden and his stutter. And if he, congratulations to Joe Biden for overcoming overcoming his stutter. But we weren't seeing stuttering on the debate stage. We were seeing kind of what I characterize as word salad, right? He'd begin a sentence and then he'd kind of pause and he'd have a separate thought. And you could see he just, he hadn't finished the first one, but he'd inject it and then he'd put a third. Oh, then he'd go back to the first one. It was this, you know, it wasn't utterly incoherent, but it was not the guy we were used to. But fine, he wins the election. You know, he's he's in the, in the job. We'll knock on wood and hope for the best. And I think where it really became almost impossible to ignore came around the collapse of Kabul and the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, I think it was you know, for a good six days, Biden was you know either not on, not making any public appearances, or when he did, he was issuing statements and reading off a teleprompter, and then not taking any questions. He did do one interview eventually. It was the one with George Stephanopoulos. And I think that was the one that most strongly suggested to me something was really wrong. And I wrote about this at the time. And I got grief from the likes of Chris Saliza at CNN that this was the lowest form of politics. And so, well, look, I'm sorry. It is not normal when a see, anchor describes the guy hanging to the flame and falling off for the president of the United States to have this outburst. That was four or five days ago, man. It, it was just, you know, there was something not right about that he he emotionally wasn't responding the right way he wasn't his his answers were were jumbled it was it was this weird defensive angry prickly um like not just you know politically unwise but there, there was just something that didn't seem right about him maybe it's a physical maybe it's mental maybe it's the stress of the job it certainly would seem to be um an age issue and not again not the Biden we're used to seeing now when this poll came out uh Democratic pollster Solinda Lakes you know dismissed it and said this is just a right wing disinformation machine etc oh look, in this poll independence by a number by 23 points think that Biden is not mentally fit now he's been in the public eye for decades we know what's normal for Joe Biden and we know what we're seeing is not the normal for Joe Biden We've talked about his light schedule. You may have noticed he ne- almost never does nighttime events. He has not sat down for an extended on-camera interview with any major journalist. Every once in a while, he'll do a TV one. Every once in a while, he'll take questions at the end of a statement, but he does not sit down and do a prime time interview the way Obama did or Trump enjoyed doing with uh, Fox News hosts all the time. Um, you probably notice he spent a lot of time at his Delaware home. I don't begrudge the president that, but you, know, if you spend your whole life trying to get into the White House. It's very strange to be so eager to get, a- get away from it. Um, and then there's like the simple issue of memory lapses that he insisted he was never briefed uh, on during, you know, that they recommended keeping Bagram Air Base open and, and all that kind of stuff. Military advisors testified for Congress. Yes, we did tell the president we recommended this and he did have these options. So that could just be Biden lying. That's not good either. But I also wonder, it's fair to ask, well, maybe Biden isn't remembering what he's told in his briefings. And I'd like a more, finally, kind of the last thing to think about, as you mentioned, he turned 79. Back in May, you know, I think the last time Biden released any health information was sometime like late 2019. Okay, it's November 18th, 2021. It's almost two years. Back in May, the administration said, oh, he's going to have a physical, he's going to have a checkup, and we will release the results of that. Hasn't happened yet. They said it would happen by the end of the year. TikTok, and I don't mean the social media network.
1: (laughs) Well, no, that's uh, certainly the case, and you know that's an interesting spot for the media to be in because I remember them demanding a lot of health information at times about Trump, uh, and certainly at times about Reagan. And Reagan had a number of uh, health issues during his eight years, from getting shot to uh, having colon cancer. So, um, but there doesn't necessarily seem to be the same demand for transparency when it's a when it's a Democratic president. But this is the first time in a while we've had a. A much older Democratic president. I mean, the last three Democratic presidents were pretty young when they were in office. Much different situation with Joe Biden now. So we're not going to, again, speculate on what exactly is happening. But I think Americans who have paid attention not only for a while uh, and know what Joe Biden used to be like as a senator and a vice president, but just those who've been able to watch over the the nearly first year of this administration, just get the instinct that something's not right.
0: The, the first health condition he's dealing with is being 79 years old.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, we, we, we all have parents who get up there in years. We all know that maybe the mental clarity and focus is not what it used to be. I hope the president gets checked out and I hope everything's fine. I, I don't think that's the case. I'm concerned that's not that's the case. But we will see. Um, but again, it would be better if there's more information than this rather than less, sooner rather than later. And if there is something wrong with the president, there really needs to be a very honest discussion between him and Jill and his top advisors. As much as we dread C- President Kamala Harris, like if the yes, president can't <laughs> mentally handle the job, there's no point in hiding it, and the country really puts the country in at great risk.
1: Well, this is going to be a problem for Prime Minister Klein, though, right? Yeah. It's a good point. Does he keep his job? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if she was forced to take all the Biden staffers, I'm guessing if she were to become president, uh, I think the Harris people would be... Uh, would be uh uh, moving in and the Biden people be moving out, but we'll see about that. Anyway, we certainly wish the best for the president uh, on his health, but uh, transparency is also critically important when um, a plurality of the American people are convinced now that the president's not uh, where he needs to be to do the job. So, uh, Jim, on that note, we will reconvene tomorrow. See you then. Have a good Thursday. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, We are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true.
0: I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking
1: conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at TheBillWaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, And what's next?